Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 33. Today I will be talking about the murder of Shirley Carter. This is going to be a two-part episode with part two being released next Monday. My sources for today's episode are The Q's Guilty or Innocent, Season 1, Episodes 6 and 7, titled Murdered His Mother, The Cinemaholic, KCCI.com, Des Moines Register.com, CBS to Iowa.com, and Heavy.com. As usual, all of my sources will be posted in the show notes. Shirley was born on June 10, 1947. She married Bill Carter in 1963, and together they had three kids. Shirley was described as an amazing mom and grandmother. On June 19, 2015, she was found dead in her kitchen. She was 68 years old. She had been shot twice. The drawers in the home had been pulled out and looked through. A high-powered rifle had also been taken from the home. The murder weapon has never been found. Jason Carter was the one who found his mom. He later said he arrived at the home, walked in, and saw his mom's legs and feet in the kitchen. He said he knelt down to shake her and then tried to call his sister, Jana, and dad, but no one answered. He then said his sister eventually called him back, and then he made the, the call to 911. Bill, Jason's dad, arrived to the scene soon after. When Bill saw Shirley, he kissed her on the forehead and later said, quote, it looked like she was sleeping, end quote. In December 2017, Jason was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. At the time of the accused guilty or innocent episode, he was out on a $100,000 bail. Jason's family stood behind him for a while, but later turned on him and believed he killed Shirley. Jason and his defense team met about eight weeks before his trial to go over the timeline from the day of the murder. Jason, who was a farmer, said he texted a local grain company at 10.55 a.m. He then arrived at his mom's house and found her dead. He said that his mom kept the family together, and now that she was dead, they were being ripped apart. The defense team hired a private investigator named Bart Howard to look over Jason's timeline. At 9.58 a.m. that morning, Jason drove his truck to a grain processing plant. He then had to stop at, stop to get his smaller pickup truck and then drove to Shirley's. Jason's going to go as fast as he feels comfortable driving the truck. Speed limit 65 here, so we're going seven miles over the limit. Should tell the prosecutor, go buy your own damn semi and run your own test. And you take all the risk. But nope, here I am. Going like hell. Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. farm where the semi stays and we're going to hop into Jason's truck and we're going to head to um, the Carter residence where the actual murder took place. Whoever shot Shirley has got to pull up in the drive, get out of the car, get the gun, and 
position themselves in the position that they would need to shoot Shirley. Then they shoot her twice, stage the burglary, go to the office, ransack it, go to the bedroom, ransack it. And then they've got to hide the gun because the gun was never found. The drive in total took about 54 minutes and 7 seconds. The earliest that Jason could have arrived was 10.54 a.m., giving him about 14 minutes to kill his mom, stage the scene, and hide the gun, which has never been found. Iowa DCI Special Agent Mark Ludwig became suspicious of Jason after he heard the 911 call. I listened to Jason Carter's 911 call in the Marion County Sheriff's Office, and right away that set bells off. Every time he would cry... I chuckle at his lack of uh, drama skills. The defense team pointed out that unless you know Jason, he could come off as being fake. Jason says multiple times that he doesn't know what happened, but then points out multiple details, including finding a bullet hole in the refrigerator. The defense's argument was that the police focused too much on Jason right away, and you can't focus on how someone will act in a situation like this. The second argument in this case by the prosecution was a financial motive. Jason and his wife, Shelly, had less than $100 in their bank accounts on the day of the murder. Since Jason was going to inherit his parents' land, the defense asked Shelly and Jason about this. Shelly said it was because she got paid every month on the 20th. Her salary went into their checking account and she she just hadn't been paid. Shelly said that they could have easily received around $45,000 that day if they needed from various credit cards and a $15,000 check from a grain company. The defense said that their financial documents will show that they didn't need any financial help. On the Monday after the murder, Special Agent Ludwig approached Jason outside his home. I would say Jason Carter became my primary suspect on Monday the 22nd. Um, After we had face-to-face time that morning. That conversation uh, was very powerful to me. Jason, I can't talk to you outside. Yeah. Well, we well, need you need to get the phone and bring it to the sheriff's office. Yeah. Okay. Can you do that by your own Yeah. You tamper with it already? No. Okay. I haven't even looked at it. The investigation against Jason really changed when S.A. Ludwig discovered Jason had a second cell phone and had been having an affair. Jason was brought down to the Marion County Sheriff's Office and questioned for 11 hours. You said you were texting Tara. What's that relationship? No, we're just friends. Has there ever been yeah. sex or? Yeah. How long has it been going on? Maybe a year, over a year. Were you honest with your wife or not? I told her that we had flirted, but I had not had sex with her. Was that a lie? Yeah. Jason was very defensive, but always denied that he killed his mom. S.A. Ludwig didn't believe him. The police told Jason that he already had lied to them several times, and Jason said he didn't lie because he was never asked about an affair. You've seen the last couple days how the lies, the truth come out. You can't yeah, lie about, lie. about my affair, but not shoot my... I never shot What happened to your mother, too. What? The truth will come out about what happened with your mother. 
Shelly said she found out about the affair by the police. She said she stands by Jason but will never forget what he did. Now we will turn to Jason's family. It was revealed that Jason's dad, Bill, filed a civil suit against Jason and he was found guilty by a civil jury on December 15, 2017. Jason was ordered to pay $10 million to his mom's estate. After the verdict, Bill said he still loved Jason but couldn't forgive him. Jason's defense believes that Jason's family was manipulated by Agent Ludwig. He spoke to the family while Jason was being questioned for 11 hours. Did you guys know about the affair? Did, you, did Shirley know about the affair? If Shirley found out about the affair, what, what would she have done with that information? Protect Jana can be heard saying Jason would never do this, and then she starts to change her mind by asking what would he have to gain from this. After Jana's interview, Agent Ludwig and another officer can be heard talking about the case in his car, and the other officer asks, quote, you're not recording this, are you, end quote. Jason said he was so surprised that his family turned on him. He said he needed he said he had a good relationship with his family, but his dad was always hard on him. Jason was the youngest of three and he took over the family chores on the farm when his brother, who was quite a bit older, left. Jason said he was afraid of his dad and that his dad ruled with an iron fist. About three weeks before the trial, the defense team told Jason that there were several flaws in the investigation. First, the police didn't collect the gun safe or dust it for prints. Second, a body temperature wasn't taken or reported at the autopsy. Jason described his mom as being cold and stiff when he found her. Bill actually used the term rigor mortis several times on the day Shirley was found. The state said that Shirley died around 10.50 to 11.08 a.m. There was no way she would be in rigor mortis if she died around that time. The defense said that the police zeroed in on Jason almost right away before even looking at other suspects. The prosecutor, Ed Bull, offered Jason a plea deal, 10 years for voluntary manslaughter. They also told Jason he could take an Alford plea, which would be closer to three to five years in prison. Jason said no because he didn't do this. 
my family and my mom be real disappointed. And quite frankly, I want to see Christine hand them their ass in court and bring this all to light on how everything's been done. Win or lose, I want her to lay it all out there like it really is. Two weeks before the trial, the defense received information from the prosecution. A woman said that the real killer was a man named Joe Sedlock and that two men named Joel and John Followhill helped him. Has anybody told you anything directly about the homicide? Do I need a lawyer for this? Or? No, you're not in any trouble at all. I'm not talking to you as a suspect or anything like that. Yeah. What did you hear specifically from Joe Sedlock? Joe said that he did it. Joe said he did it? She's saying that Joe said he did it. Did it. Okay. I hear you. Him and, him and two other people. Him and two others? Yeah. Did he name the other people? Yeah, the fallout. According to this woman, it was a robbery gone wrong. So this is where part one will end. Did Jason kill his mom or was it a random robbery? I will, be not, I will not be sharing my opinions until after the second part, which will be released next Monday. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'd like to know your thoughts about the case. My book recommendation for this week is Whisper Island by Carissa Ann Lynch. Summary. Six of us are going to the island. Only one of us will make it back. That one of us will be me. For friends, Riley, Sam, Mia, and Scarlett, their trip to Whisper Island was meant to be once-in-a-lifetime adventure, just four young women with everything to live for. But as soon as they arrive, things start to go wrong. First, there is an unexpected arrival of Sammy's drug addict brother and his girlfriend, Opal. Why are they here? And then the deaths begin. As the dream trip quickly turns into a nightmare, suspicion is high. Are they really alone on the island, or is there a killer hiding in the shadows? And as each of the girls reveals a dark secret of their own, perhaps the truth is the, ki- is the killer is closer than they think, just a whisper away. Review. A group of friends who are very different are brought together by their friend Scarlett. They decided to go on an adventure together, but unfortunately it will be a trip they'll never forget. Unexpected people, including an ex-boyfriend and a brother, shows up on the trip, and people start dying. It's a true crime, slasher, and a whodunit all in once. All in one. I received this book from NetGalley, and I really enjoyed it. It kept me guessing until the very end. I give it an 8 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode, and please stay tuned for next week's episode. It'll be, it'll be part 2. I will also be back with another book recommendation. And remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere.